0: Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Political Hitman. I'm Howie Silbiger, your political hitman, here on Israel News Talk Radio. You could join me in conversation by dialing in. You can call in. Numbers in Israel, 265 In America, the number is 305-768-4841. So after last week's show, where I expressed that I really didn't care what happened to the Ukraine and that I really don't care about the Ukrainian people, aside from the Jews that live in the Ukraine, uh, I got a lot of feedback. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the feedback I got because many, many people told me to turn off my microphone and forget about doing radio. And uh, I, I don't quite agree with that, that statement, that, that philosophy, that because you disagree with something, you shouldn't hear it. It shouldn't be aired. That, that kind of fascism, that kind of, uh, that kind of censorship really doesn't sit well with me. It, it, reminds, me, it reminds me of um, in the late 70s, uh, human rights lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, decided to defend Nazis that wanted to march in Skokie, Illinois. Skokie, Illinois, was a um, is a predominantly Jewish neighborhood, and a bunch of Nazis wanted to march through there. And Alan Dershowitz uh, got up and he uh, he defended them. He defended them in court, defend their, their their right to march. And in his defense, he quoted he he claimed it was Volaire, but it was actually Evelyn Beatrice Hall paraphrasing Voltaire. When, 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 when he quoted him saying, um, I may disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to death your right to say it. If we believe in democracy and freedom of speech, if we, if we believe in a free society, if we believe that, uh, that, that different, differing opinions are valuable, then demanding that somebody stop talking because you disagree with the message – is counter to, 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 it's counter to everything that democracy and Western society stands for. So I'm not going to stop talking. You're not going to stop me from talking. And I will continue to express my opinion right here on Political Hitman. we got a great show. Stay tuned. I'm Howie silverger This is Political Hitman right here on Israel News Talk Radio. Political hitman I'm Howie Silbaker your political hitman here on Israel news talk radio you can feel free to join me in conversation in Israel you could dial zero two six five zero zero one five one in America the number is three oh five seven six eight four eight four one so I, I I've been watching the coverage the coverage of this uh, this war in in Ukraine and um, and Russia, the war between Ukraine and Russia. I've seen America, who essentially started the war, they they encouraged this war, they greatly encouraged this war, for a couple of weeks before it happened, just abandon Ukraine just like that. They called uh, Putin the terrorists, and then they just abandoned Ukraine. It's amazing. It's amazing watching the geopolitical. Combination of uh, of allies and and people who really just don't care about each other, and countries that don't really matter in a in any economic or um, or, or, or geopolitical way, and the way America just abandons them and forgets about them when they um, when they when they come calling. I also have been noticing, and this bothers me a lot, although it may be somewhat justified, maybe not that there is a huge comparison right now going on between this war between Ukraine and Russia and the Holocaust. Now I'm not one that that that's overly sensitive about people who who criticize uh who 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 make fun of the Holocaust. I I don't care. It does it doesn't bother me all that much. I, I really don't get bothered by uh by what Holocaust deniers say or 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 the fact that uh, that some comedians joke about the holocaust i am not i'm not really concerned about that and the reason i'm not concerned about it is that the truth stands i mean we we all know what happened so some idiot could get up and deny what happened but the truth is that we all know what happened and the world knows what happened and and the deniers and the and the people who who mock the holocaust and the people who who claimed that it was a red uh, false flag or whatever they want to call it it is you know we, we all know those people are morons so so it doesn't bother me uh, when when morons get up and express their moronic point of view. What does bother me though is when the Ukrainian president who has been playing up his Jewishness uh during this war. Uh, the reason he's playing up his Jewishness is because he's trying to get popular support amongst the Jewish population of the world so that they will convince their governments to go and to um, to save Ukraine, to save his life and to save Ukraine. And try to convince Israel, because he's Jewish, to come and save the Jewish presence of the Ukraine. So he's been playing up his Jewishness, something that uh, historically has never really been um, a big factor in his life. But now he's playing up his, his Jewishness because his political... Because it's politically expedient to play for Jewishness, it, it, it helps him politically. So suddenly Zelensky becomes the super Jew, and everybody, uh, everybody in North America, everybody in Europe, all the whole Jewish, all the Jewish communities are just are just fawning over the guy. Oh, look at this great Jewish leader, who's who's fighting, who's fighting for his country, who's standing up, the strong Jew, the the, the, the mighty Jew, the warrior Jew. And and we all know. I mean, I, I if if you have a half a brain in your head, you know that this is all propagandic baloney. You know it, but but many many people buy into this, and uh, it's very unfortunate. So this week, the um, the the Jewish leaders, the presidents of major Jew, American Jewish organizations, which is essentially the the um, the federations of America, the um, the United Jewish Appeals of America. Uh, all the presidents of all the major ones got together and had a Zoom conversation with President Zelensky. And Zelensky played up his Jewishness and played up his um, his Holocaust comparisons to the hilt. He likened his country to Jewish inhabitants of the Warsaw Ghetto during the Holocaust. He said that uh, Putin's rhetoric against the Ukrainian people Uh, was employed by Chief Nazi Propagandist Joseph Goebbels. Here's the exact quote. He said, this is pure Nazism, uh, referring to the Russian bombing attacks that killed hundreds of civilians. Uh, Putin is just destroying the citizens of Ukraine of different nationalities. This is pure Nazi behavior. I can't even qualify this in any different manner. Pure Nazi behavior? Uh, I'm confused. Did... President Putin uh conquered Ukraine and set up concentration camps did he build gas chambers and crematorias to kill Jews or kill Ukrainians did he go into city after city and steal Ukrainian belongings and shoot people in the street and in mass graves and pits on the side of the street did he build factories, murder factories for Ukrainians? If all that didn't happen, then the comparison to Nazism is untrue. We keep cheapening Nazism. We keep cheapening the memory and insulting the memory of the victims of the Nazis when we make these dumb comparisons to one of the most evil, if not the most evil, event in the last century, Nat. Okay, so I understand we're 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 approaching 90 years since the Holocaust. I understand that history has been dumbed down in most institutions. Most schools have dumbed down history in most countries around the world. I understand that Holocaust education didn't start until until 20 or 30 years after the Holocaust ended. I I get all this, but I, I I'm I'm just I'm just torn to pieces thinking about this this false comparison this 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 idiotic comparison that that is just pure propaganda trying to coax the leaders of these Jewish organizations to lobby their governments to send fighter jets to go and help the Ukrainian people i can't help but remember and i know i pointed this out last week and i'm going to point it out again today i can't help but remember that the ukrainian people were active participants in the holocaust the original holocaust the holocaust that, that that murdered that murdered millions and millions and millions of jewish people a third of the jewish population of europe that the the ukrainians were active participants not only active participants active willing and uh, enthusiastic participants in the murder and torture of the jewish people of the ukraine so when the so-called Jewish president of the Ukraine gets up and starts comparing the inhabitants of Ukraine to the victims of the Warsaw Ghetto, the people living in the Warsaw Ghetto during Nazism, the people who knew by the time the Warsaw Ghetto was around, the people in the ghetto knew that their next stop was a gas chamber and a crematoria. And this this is what's happening in Ukraine now? This is the comparison? It's absolutely, it's absolutely terrifying, if anyone believes this. It's absolutely horrifying that anybody would make this kind of comparison, especially in the present of a country. War is hell. Don't get me wrong. War is absolute hell. And people suffer in wars. And because they suffer, we, we have to have a little compassion to people who suffer in war. I, I agree. We, we have to have a little compassion a little compassion. But to make a comparison like that, uh, it's, it's sickening. Uh, I'm almost never left speechless, but in a case like this, I am totally sickened by this comparison. It's not the first time that these kind of comparisons have been made. It's not the first time that people try to to use the memory and use the the guilt, the European guilt of what they did to their Jewish population to try to further a political goal. It's not the first time. And each time it happens, we should stand up and say, no way, we can't accept this. We're not going to accept this. We are not going to accept this comparison. This comparison is insulting to the Jewish people. This comparison is an insult to the memory of the victims of the Holocaust. I mean, fine, if you want to compare what's happening in Ukraine now to, let's say, the blitzkrieg of London during World War II, I'd have no objections because it's, it's very similar. Uh, Warplanes are flying over the country, dropping bombs on innocent civilians. Is it a war crime? Of course it is. Um, that comparison would make more sense to me. Compare it to the blitzkrieg on, uh, on London. Compare it, to, compare it to the bombing of Berlin. I, I'm good with that. But to compare it to the Holocaust? I think somebody has to educate Zelensky on, on on what happened during the Holocaust. I know I know he likes to he likes to brag and, and, and it's 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 almost pure braggery when when he brags that he is a descendant of Holocaust survivors. But maybe he didn't hear the stories, maybe he didn't understand the extent of the horror and the horrific uh, the horrific actions of the Ukrainian people and the horrific uh, the horrific things that happened to the to the Jews during the Holocaust. Because if he truly had an understanding of what happened during the Holocaust, this kind of comparison would not have been made. It would have never been made. It is, it is, it is absolutely mind-blowing that the presidents of major Jewish organizations that met with Zelensky when he made this claim that these men and women who run the advocacy groups of uh, of the world jewelry didn't hold him to the fire about that comp- about that comparison. They just accepted it and moved on. Probably even agreed with him. Maybe we have to uh, increase Holocaust education. Maybe we have to do a refreshers course. So sad, so very sad. I'm Howie Silberger. Give me a call in Israel zero two six five zero zero one five one, in America three zero five seven six eight four eight four one. If you agree with me, you disagree with me, that's fine. Give me a call. I'm Howie Silbergers. This is Political Hitman on Israel News Talk Radio. so join me, Steve Miller, and me, Matt Zucker, for a Lighting Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Political Hypnotic. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. Feel free to give me a call in Israel, 0265-00151. In America, 305-768-4841. Uh, many people have asked me, they said, Howie, you keep saying that the Ukrainian people were worse than the Nazis, that they, they were as they were bad or even worse than the Nazis when it came to treating Jews in, um, in, in Ukraine during World War II and uh I keep repeating it over and over again people fight with me people argue with me all the time about this but I keep repeating it over and over again because it is true uh, let's take a look at the greatest massacre to occur in in Ukraine um, during the um during the holocaust uh, a massacre that it's it's almost it's almost comical. I mean, the massacre is not comical, but it's almost comical that, that during this war, when all the Jewish communities have jumped behind Ukraine and jumped to support uh, Vladimir Zelensky and Ukraine, uh, not, very people, or not many people are talking about this. On Friday, September 26, 1941, the uh, Germans occupied Kiev and they published an announcement printed in Russian, Ukrainian and German uh, on lamppost walls around the city, ordering all Jews to assemble Monday at 8 a.m. near the site of a Jewish cemetery. That morning, the day before the holiday of Yom Kippur, uh, was to, over 33,000 people, mostly women and children and the elderly, as the Soviet government had already mobilized men capable of fighting into the Red Army. Uh, they, they went and they, they, they showed up at this, this, this site. The uh, multitude was marched under the guard through a barbed wire fence, leading into Babi Yar, Roby Yar, uh, the word Yar means ravine in Russian and Ukrainian, is actually a very scenic site. It's crowded on weekends with picnickers and soccer players. It's, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a tribunary of, uh, of, of, of rivers that led into the, the Dnepr River. Uh, as the assembled Jews entered the ravine on that day in 1941, uh, German SS units, most, mostly made up of Ukrainians, and Ukrainian prisoners from nearby prisoner of war camp Um, that were recruited to serve the Nazis, the local police, robbed the Jews of their money, possessions, and documents, and um, then they made the Jews wait in the meadow, from where, behind a mound of earth, they could hear the relentless sound of machine gun fire. (coughs) Over the next 36 hours, the Germans took small groups of Jews, stripped them naked, and murdered them. Now, the post-war trial records... Give a sense of what occurred. The victims were made to lie face down on the bloody corpses of the victims who had already been shot. If they didn't do this willingly, they were beaten and knocked down. Then the gunners climbed over the wobbly mounds towards the victims and shot them in the back of the neck. According to an operational situation report, the Germans sent back to Berlin. They had shot 33,371 Jews. Now, over the next two years, the Germans would continue to use the site as a killing ground, murdering another 70,000 individuals. Romani people, psychiatric patients, prisoners of wars, and other civilians, before the Red Army liberated the city in November 1943. The Germans were the first to try to silence the memory of the crimes committed at the site. In August 1943, fearful of the approaching Red Army, they forced prisoners from the nearby Syretta concentration camp to dig up and burn the remains of the site. The Soviet Army um, also attempted to conceal what had taken place at the site. In 1961, they filled in the ravine, or at least they tried to, and they uh, unintentionally set off a multitude, a mudslide that killed at least 145 people. Now, we'll never know the full story of what happened in Babi Yar, but what we do know is that it happened. It happened. 33, 000, over 33,000 Jews were murdered there, and they were murdered by SS units that were made up of Ukrainian people. Now, are all Ukrainians guilty of this massacre? No, no, we can't say that all Ukrainians are guilty. Same way, we can't say all Germans were Nazis. That would be a misstep. That would be a a, a horrible thing to say. You can't say that, um, that everybody living in any country fully supports the actions of the government of that country. But what you can say is, that since there was no revolts and since there was very little in opposition when it came to protecting the Jews or saving the Jews, that the majority of the people living in these countries supported the actions that were taking place against the Jews. If, 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 if you know that your neighbor is about to be murdered by, um, by the government or by, by government forces and you do nothing to try to stop it, you, you say nothing, you, you don't riot, you don't, you don't throw the government out, you don't have a, um, a push to, uh, to overthrow the government, there's no revolt, there's nothing that nothing happens, then you are as guilty as the government of the crimes that were committed in your name. You've got to remember, governments represent the people. The Nazis were, were democratically elected in Germany. So, my problem with this war is that the Ukrainian people were never good to the Jews. Before World War II, they were killing Jews. Jews have been killed in Ukraine for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now, the Soviets, so moving over to Russia, the Soviets, and and, uh, make no mistake, Vladimir Putin is trying to create a new Soviet Union. He is trying to unify the USSR and tried to get back the, uh, the, the, the puzzle pieces that were lost when the USSR fell apart in the, uh, in the 90s. He's trying to rebuild the USSR one country at a time. Now, Soviets were not very good friends of, of religion in general, and particularly of Jews. The suppression of religion, the suppression of Jews, of Jewish, of Jewish living, led to folk heroes like Anatoly Sharansky, who Who now goes by name natan but uh, but but you know, he was refused Nick what was he, what was he refusing? He wasn 't an overly religious man, but he was refusing to give up his Jewish identity and he went to jail for it, so he was arrested for being a jew, so bringing back old style Soviet communism is probably not in the best interest of the Jewish people either. so here we have two countries, one country trying to bring back uh, this, this, this type of government that suppressed, oppressed, and, uh, and also killed uh, dissenters and people who, uh, who, who practiced religion. And another country who has a Jewish leader, and I'll put Jewish in quotation marks when it talks about Vladimir Zelensky, uh, a Jewish leader, but whose opposition party, the, the second largest party in parliament, is a pro-Nazi party whose platform calls for the destruction of the Jewish people and finishing the job that Hitler started. So when I, when I look at my options here on which country I want to throw my support behind, I say let them both kill each other. I really don't care. There are Jews living in, uh, in Ukraine, and I really do hope that all the Jews in the Ukraine get out and don't go back. Get out, go to Israel, go somewhere else. Just don't go back to the Ukraine. Just leave and stay out. But if the Ukrainian people and the Russian people want to kill each other, uh, I, I really don't see myself standing in the way or opposing it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think, I think if we, if if evil decides to destroy evil, if, if if hatred decides to cannibalize hatred, then good people should not stand in the way of that happening. So, for the first time in my life, and probably the last time, but the first time and the last time in my life, I am going to say that I actually support the President of the United States, Joe Biden. I support his decision not to encourage Poland to send warplanes to help Ukraine. If we leave this as a regional war between Ukraine and and Russia, I think the world would be better off. I don't think the world should get involved in a fight that has been going on for hundreds of years, in a a fight that, that really has no national interest for anyone. I'm sorry. I'm just getting over this uh, this this little little bit of a cold that I had, and um, and so I normally don't cough on the show, so I apologize. I don't have my mute button with me, so you're hearing it. My apologies. But um, but but that said, I um I, I really don't believe that uh, that anybody should be uh, should be involved in this war. This should not become a world war, nor should this nor should this become more than a regional war. If Ukraine can't defend themselves, survival of the fittest, as it, co- as, as it always worked in Europe, if Ukraine can't defend themselves and can't fend off the Russian attack, then I'm not going to lose any sleep if Ukraine disappears tomorrow. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It, it wouldn't really change my life. I wouldn't lose a wink of sleep. I wouldn't feel an ounce of guilt. Would we help the refugees? Yeah, Yeah. okay. Fine. I mean, maybe we should help the refugees. But I I really I really don't believe that there's any reason for the world to get involved. In this for this to become a world war. And there's a lot of people pushing for a world war because world wars actually help economies in countries that are suffering. And and they're beneficial for uh, for governments that need to boost their economies. War economies are always better than than peaceful economies. So if governments are pushing for war and uh, and governments want wars to last forever, there are financial benefits behind that. There are political reasons behind that. And so uh, governments that are encouraging war to continue and war to happen, let them have their piece of the pie. Why not? What have we got to lose, really? One country that hates Jews and another country that hates religion. Between the two of them they both disappeared off the face of the earth i think the world would be a better off place i, I honestly do i'm howie silberger this is the how this is a political hitman right here on the israel news talk radio feel free to call in numbers to call in israel 0265-00151 in america the number is 305-768-4841 we'll be back just after this I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. Feel free to get in on the conversation. Give me a call. In Israel, 265 In America, 305-768-4841. Uh, you, could reach me, you could reach me here live on the show. I'd love to talk to you. Uh, if you missed those numbers, you can get them, all, of course, on the top of the page at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. So I, I've told you why I don't like Ukraine. I, I, I've explained it, I think, fairly clearly over the last couple of weeks why um, why I really feel that uh, that I don't care too much about Ukraine or, or what happens in the Ukraine. Um, but but we have to understand also that the, the Jewish history in the Ukraine is very rich. For the uh, past thousand years, maybe even longer, Ukraine has been the home to a robust and exciting Jewish history. Jews lived there even before the area was called the Ukraine. Uh, Jewish the Jewish heritage of Ukraine um, is is wondrous. It really is. More than 1.5 million Jews lived in the Ukraine be, in 1939. Uh, before this current conflict, Ukraine was thought to be one of the three largest Jewish populations in the world. Before this massive exodus, which includes an untold number of Jews, there was an estimated Jewish population of around 400,000. Uh, that was, according to the European Jewish Congress, it may be a little exaggerated, But uh, it was believed that around 400,000 Jews were living in the Ukraine before this war broke out. Now, once upon a time, so prominent and so integrated were the Jews in the Ukraine that during the life of a fledging and failed independent state called the Ukrainian People's Republic, which lasted from 1917 to right after World War I uh, through about 1920, Yiddish was one of the three official languages. The others were Ukrainian and Russian. Yiddish was even clearly embossed on some of the currency that was minted there. Now, Ukraine was where the Baal Shem Tov revolutionized Judaism, where he began the Hasidic movement. Ukraine was where the great Hebrew writers wrote their journals and newspapers, plays and books, works that transformed Jewish life and injected Zionism into the masses. Ukraine was where Golda Meir was born. She was born in Kiev. Ukraine was where, Jabotinsky, where Zev Jabotinsky was born. He was born in Odessa. And um, and the list goes on and on. Now, um, of course, life wasn't always good for the Jews in Ukraine, uh, even before this this uh, this this war. Um, it, it was in the Ukraine that Bogdan Cholnitsky, Chil, the 17th century leader of the Cossack rebellion who fought against the Poles to recapture the Lowlands, committed his dastardly deeds. Because in that process, Chalmetsky and his Ukrainian Cossack murdered Jews and burned Jewish communities. These were the original programs. Chalmetsky brought programs. Chalmetsky had the distinction of being the first uh, programist. He he created the the idea of a program of of, of attacks against Jews, against Jewish communities. Now, until the rise of Adolf Hitler, Cholmetsky was the greatest Jewish murderer in all of Jewish history. And, and that's that's saying a lot because Jews were attacked throughout Jewish history and Jews were killed throughout Jewish history and Chomensky killed more Jews than anybody else. Now, the region called the Pale of Sediments was even bigger and encompassed more land than today's Ukraine. It was established by the Russian Tsars between 1791 and 1917 and in various forms and with various restrictions almost all Jews were required to live in the Pale of Sediments. At its peak in 1885, Four million Jews lived in the pale. It was enormous. It included today's Belarus, Moldova, Lithuania, and of course, the Ukraine. <coughs> the pale sentiment got its name from Tsar Nicholas I. Now, Ukraine is where in 1941, on September 29th and September 30th, nearly 34,000 Jews were murdered in the Babi Yards. They were mowed down by Nazi machine gun fire in a ditch on the outskirts of Kiev. Uh, it was the same Babi Yards that suffered a hit to the warm world to Fallen Jews by Putin's war machine a couple of weeks ago, he didn't actually attack the uh, the monument. They attacked a TV tower that was next to the monument, but uh, you know propaganda is propaganda, and so so the sort of everybody reported that the monument was attacked when it really wasn't. It wasn't even damaged. It was a it was a TV tower behind the monument, like way behind the monument, like miles away from the monument. Um, now, Ukraine was where the worst massacres of Jews took place. Uh, just after the uh, Babyn Yar massacre in the southwestern port of the city of Odessa between October 22nd and 24th, 1941, 50,000 Jews were gunned down and murdered. Now, some will argue that Ukraine today has nothing to do with the Ukraine of the past. But we have to remember the good and the bad that happened in the Ukraine. We have to remember that hatred doesn't just disappear, that when hatred is so ingrained that you could kill 50,000 people and the population of your country doesn't do anything to, to stop it, doesn't do anything to, to, to oppose it, that hatred doesn't disappear because the war ended. That hatred gets passed down from generation to generation. I like to use a story. I like to use the same story. Um, I, I, I use the story over and over again because it exemplifies this point. In 1990, I went on a March of the Living. And it was the second ever March of the Living. Now they go every year. Then they went every two years. And they only allowed uh, 10,000 people around the world. Today, it's hundreds of thousands of people go. And it's a huge event. Um, when I went, there was 10,000 people from around the world. So it, they were very selective on who they chose to go on this trip. And, and, and so we went. It was the second time Jews had gone en masse to, to, to Poland and to, to the former areas where Jews lived in Eastern Europe and um, uh, to visit the former sites of Judaism and the site where Judaism came to an end. the Sites where Judaism came to an end. And I'll never forget that when we got there, uh, we, we were greeted. Uh, we went to Krakow. It was our first stop, with Krakow. And we went to Krakow in Poland, and, and we were greeted with, um, with folk art, Polish folk art. Now, Poland hadn't seen Jews en masse, or any Jews, uh, since the war. So it was at least 55 years since the war when we went there. And the folk art was Hasidic men, carvings of Hasidic men with big noses and long, and long sideburns. This was their folk art, caricatures of Jewish people. Now the the sympathy and the empathy for, for the Holocaust victims was evident when we went to we went to the Auschwitz-Birkenau death camp, and when we got to the end of the death camp, there was a gift shop, and and when we went into the gift shop. There was um, there were diecast models, so so they were literally keychain models of crematoria's. So that's that's how that's how much empathy was shown towards, uh, towards uh, the hollowed site of uh, of Auschwitz, of of where. Where, where millions and millions and millions of Jews were killed. So, the hatred that existed in the 1940s in Europe, I, I don't think it ever went away. I think maybe it was, it's an undercurrent, maybe, maybe it was pushed into the underground of society, but it's still there. When we went on the actual March of the Living, so the March of the Living culminates with, um, with a bunch of Jews walking the Death March, they, they walk from the Auschwitz, death camp, Auschwitz concentration camp to the Birkenau death camp. It's about a three kilometer walk, um, and, and they start walking. While we were walking, people were lined the streets. Some of them were Nazis saluting us and yelling, Heil Hitler. Uh, while others While others were looking down as if they felt some kind of a guilt. These were not old people. These weren't the generation that survived that, that survived and that perpetrated Nazism. This was the next generation. And the generation after that. So if we like to believe, and I know we we do like to believe that there is redemption somewhere, that some kind of there, there's some kind of redeemable quality to countries that once hated Jews or once massacred Jews. And we like to think that that, that, that people change and that things change. But we know deep down, all of us, we all know deep down, that that's not true. We all know deep down that when a hatred grows and the roots of hatred are planted firmly into the ground, it takes multiple generations to get rid of that hatred. And it takes a concerted effort by governments to get rid of that hatred. People point out that, you know, hey, for a country that murdered so many Jews, they elected a Jewish president. Well, that is also a farce. It's a farcical statement. The reason it's not true, the reason it's propaganda is because Zelensky doesn't play up his, didn't play up his Judaism until this war. The Jewish part of Zelensky, his Judaism was almost irrelevant to him. He played it for politics. He played it for entertainment purposes. It wasn't because he had a deep, heart-set uh, attachment to the Jewish people, to the Jewish religion. So so don't buy into the propaganda. Don't buy into it. I didn't see Zelensky you know, dissolving his government because the Nazis were the opposition party. Or, or trying to fix that problem in any way shape or form once again be careful what you believe a lot of it is not true i'm howie Silbiger, this is political hitman here on israel news talk radio I, I i i am on every week and i and this is a call-in show and i'd love if you called in and we we got to talk a little bit it is uh it is a, infinitely more fun to have a conversation with you than it is to sit in a room and talk to myself. That is for sure. So I would love for you to call in. I'd love for you to join me on the air here on Israel News Talk Radio. It is, uh, it is, uh, it is so much fun to be here and to talk to you and to, to express my opinion. And as I said before, if you don't agree with my opinion, you have a lot of options. No one's forcing you to listen to them. Uh, but one of those options is not throwing me off the air. I'm Howie Silver. this is Israel News Talk Radio. I will see you again next month